Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 133 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you. Oilers Now. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stoffer, recommendation, Mediterranean chicken. The Brendan Escott recommendation, the Texan. Because Brendan is a fan of the Houston Texans. I, I would think that's why it's the Texan. At this time, we're going to go to our Oilers now. Headliner today for touchback safety. From fall protection to forklift training, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. He was part of the management team that won two Stanley Cups with the Los Angeles Kings. He's currently a free agent. We welcome back to the show Mike Feuda. Mike, how you doing? I like that. You, you like that you're a free agent? Well, no, I actually, I would prefer to be assigned, assigned quantity, but assigned entity, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, so, so a guy like yourself, like, uh, do you have an actual agent that represents you or is that, I know there's some general managers that have had agents before. Certainly a lot of coaches have agents. I know, uh, Bill Scott, who works for the Oilers, as you know, his father, Gil Scott, who represents guys in the NFL and some high end CFL guys also represents a bunch of coaches and has represented managers before. Did you ever have one? Well, I had somebody that was helping me for a while and he's actually a really good, really good guy. That was just, it was kind of recently last year, but no, I, I have, first of all, I've been in the same organization for 14 years, so I didn't need one. I, right. uh, I had, uh, I usually, what I do is I've got a, an agent friend who I really trust and lifelong friend kind of thing that when it came to a contract, he would, he would help out. Now, I think with these latest interviews and stuff like that, I've usually missed most of your top references like Dean Lombardi and Daryl Sutter and people that I've worked with or people that, that make calls on my behalf and Dan Beckerman and stuff like that. But it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, I think once the hockey starts up, probably have to find a way to be a little bit more proactive. But I've never been a big fan of having people call on your behalf. I think if people are interested in you, they'll reach out and then you can, you can tell yourself to 
Away you go. Mike, let me ask you this. How much uh, crossover was in the role delineation with the L.A. Kings? Like, was was one guy the head pro? Was one guy the head amateur? Did the head pro dwell into the amateur at all? Did the amateur dwell into the pro? Did the cap guy deal in, in uh, running the farm team, or did everybody kind of have delineated roles with the Kings organization? Uh, different under, I mean, under Dean Lombardi, uh, there was a pro staff, uh, you know, headed by Robbie Laird, and uh, and then Mark, Mark and Eddie and I ran the amateur staff. And then when I was promoted, I was kind of did a little bit of everything. But Mark and I basically, you know, Eddie with the. Uh, the amateur side of things would, you know, we had our, our various scouts in their spots, and then we would basically travel around and have to see everybody. And then at our Christmas time, we'd have our Western guy, you know, look at the first round and pop over. There was a lot of crossover. It was structured. It was never just random, you know, when the music stops, grab your chair and head to the next province. It was here. It was very tactile, you know, tactile where we were hitting in the crossover and then you start to pull everybody in the second half and Mark and I were responsible for combining everybody's lists and bringing together the final list for the amateur side but I mean if it came down if there was a big trade you know Dean would say you know Futes I want you to get in quietly and see this guy I mean I remember him sending me in to see Braden McNabb in Rochester and I, I know that uh, I think you know I think Mark and Eddie in certain spot he, he'd been a pro scout with Toronto Police so I think he was using that capacity as well but most of us kind of stay in your lanes with with Rob it was uh, with Rob it's too completely different uh, with Rob Blake it was complete too completely and I think he was still trying to get used to what what he wanted, how he wanted things to work, and whatever he was comfortable with. But I, like, Mark was running the amateur side, and then the pro side was, you know, Matt Green had come on board, and Mark Osborne and Dave Torrey and Robbie Laird was still in, in tow with the pro side, and they were two. There was never any real crossover between the two. Interesting. Uh, we're joined by Mike Fuda, Bob Stoffer with you at Oilers Now. As you mentioned, worked for the Kings for basically a decade and a half uh, when they were one of the top organizations in the National Hockey League. Do you envision... Uh, and Philip Anschutz owns the uh, L.A. Kings. Little-known fact, uh, you know, there was a time in which somebody was pursuing the Oilers and some calls were made. Uh, but a guy, he's a Denver guy, but uh, I wouldn't say he necessarily was lavish with money uh, with the Kings. How challenging do you think things are right now in hockey circles? I mean, to look, at, look no further than the World Juniors. There's no scouts allowed for that event in Edmonton. Um uh, how has it changed the landscape of things, given that the scouts normally be, would be out right now working? Certainly, every like you know, you have your Ontario guy going all through the OHL in this time of year. Same in the Quebec League. Same with the guys out west. Same with the USHL and NCAA guys. How dramatically different is it right now than maybe uh, in a normal year? It's it's you can't even describe it. I mean, it's at a standstill. But I mean, people are obviously going to be relying very much i mean there's games being played in europe and i know the european scouts that are based there are attending i know i see christian rutu posting um you know the karaya cup was just played i talked to igor lariano about that tournament which it's but it's all gets same thing being played without spectators i mean nhl teams that i'm talking to about employment uh, it's just great now they're not in a position they're not in a position to um how would you say to, to Owners don't want to spend money. Right. <laughs> there's no until they know there's going to be fans in the stands and when the season's going to start, and, and rightfully so. As much as I'd like to think that <laughs> that concept's ridiculous, <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense that if you're not 
you know, that was great what they did in the bubble. Um, the NHL pulled off a miracle, but I know they're not going to go back to do that again. Right. So it's just, it's, it, I mean, the amount of video that will be shot, I mean, but there's got to be hockey played to watch. Um, I mean, you can go back and watch some of the players last year's stuff, I guess, right now. Uh, there will be a lot of different a- analytical breakdowns you can do, but it's it's absolutely at a complete and utter standstill. And it would be the example of even... People just aren't. Yeah, you, you can't go to you can't go to games. So there's either going to be, you know, I'm sure teams are holding on. But I mean, in Mr. Anschutz's case, and he's one of the most gracious gentlemen I've ever met in my life. I mean, he's the only owner I've ever had. And he treat like we were. We never spared anything. Like we traveled first class. The scouts were treated incredibly well. Our salaries, I know, were in the upper echelon of the league for the for the staff. But. He's in the entertainment business. I mean, this he's in stadium buildings, and, and AEG is entertainment, and, and it's a complete standstill. I mean, like Stagecoach and Coachella and all the big events, all the soccer, all the soccer teams, all the all the teams that he owns are empty buildings, uh, empty. Con- there's no concerts, so how can you expect him exactly. not to pull back? And I think the the hardest thing for fans and for hockey guys, for sure, is you're probably looking at your team and looking at so-called cap space and going we're in a great spot you know we could add this guy this guy this guy but owners are not adding players under these under these this environment it's just not going to happen and i mean well, I, obviously we're, we're, we'll get through it and everything's going to change and but i don't know if it's ever going to get completely back to normal um with regards to the way money's going to be thrown around until some of these owners you know get their <laughs> make their way back to, to reality of getting some checks coming in well Mike Fuda joining us, longtime LA Kings executive, did some work with Sportsnet on the NHL draft last month. Mike, it's interesting because I, I know I've talked to uh, scouts from various organizations, and they say one of the definitions that sort of it's not just salary, but the, the little things. And uh, an illustration would be who flies first class when they fly to Europe, and who doesn't. That defines a little. It, and it literally, I mean, do you have some organizations that are big money clubs, but were frugal in that regard, or if they're big money clubs, they tend to be big money in every in every regard. Oh, no. Well, we we were fortunate. It was, it was actually a pretty good experiment. We had Dean Lombardi when Mark and I first got. We we were one of the groups that wasn't always flying business class. Or he'd say Mark and I could fly business class, but your your area scouts couldn't. Which is it's just like a status thing. That this is not a good look. I mean, it, so it's, I said, well, it's got to be either all of us or none of us because you don't want your guys walking past you like you know whatever. We'll send yeah. the caviar to the back of the bus or whatever. So we we made sure that it was going to be for all of us. But we we decided for Dean. The argument was if you want us to be sharp. There's a big difference between being in the middle seat and if you're going to Europe to do, you know, three or four games a day, you want to be sharp and you want to be rested. So we we traveled in the front. It was a trip to Moscow, I believe, or Czech Republic, and we put Dean in the back in the middle seat, Dean Lombardi. And we got there, and the next morning, Mark and I were in the gym, fresh, ready to go, ready to start a meeting, and we couldn't find Dean Lombardi. <laughs> And he was sad asleep. He had had a kink in his neck. So we just came up and said, okay, I get it. Everybody can fly business class, but it's just, it'll be, and that'll change as well. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm sure general managers and stuff and directors of scouting might be able to, but I I could see travel being incredibly limited, especially you were talking earlier stuff about crossover. I think that's probably going to be limited. There's going to be a lot more video crossover because people just are not going to be in the mood to, to spend money, which 
it was probably it was a great perk, but it wasn't a completely necessary perk. And there are a lot of teams that weren't flying business class anyway. So now it's just like probably putting an exclamation mark on 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 you know it is probably a thing that's going to be a, for at least fifty percent of the teams a thing of the past. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott joining you orders now. We're joined by longtime LA Kings executive Mike Fuda. Mike, I gotta, uh, you, you, we're gonna get to the OHL stuff in a second because uh, I know you're gonna have some feelings on that. Um, but I, I want to circle back to something that we didn't quite get a chance to explore when we had you on right around the time of the draft, and that's uh, analytics versus seeing them good. And everybody's seen the movie Moneyball or read Moneyball, and there were, this is a market in Edmonton where we've actually had people hired out of Edmonton that are currently working for NHL organizations or were fans of the Oilers uh, that wrote expansive pieces with lots of detailed uh, statistical information and inferences that ended up getting published. Uh, did we lose you, Mike? You still there? No, nope. oh, I think we got you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, how how much of a debate and discussion occurs, uh, specifically when it comes, I think, to uh, you know, more so to maybe the amateur side, because uh, I think the pro side, you get a chance to see the guy at the NHL level. Uh, I, I could have told you Braden McNabb was going to be a number, at least a number five defenseman in the NHL after watching him play for Chris Knobloch in Kootenay the year he wiped out Joey Hishon, actually uh, kind of derailed Joey's career in the uh, Memorial Cup that year. But uh, specific with the, the amateurs, how much debate gets weighed back and forth, analytics versus visual uh, evaluation on the players? Well, I think it's a lot. <laughs> and I think it's, I think even some of the hockey guys, in the general manager chairs that have tried to push back a little bit on it are getting so much from ownership groups who are, you know, that's kind of their industry. That some of the, the, the billionaire owners with they rely so much on analytics and data that they want to see more. Uh, and it, if it, 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 if it, it also allows you to travel less, it's going to get even more check marks along the block. But for me, again, analytics is a great piece. It's a tool. It can't, it can't for me at any level, become the, the be-all and end-all. I, 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 I just think the eye test and the field test is so... I mean, I had this huge debate the other day about the Blake Snell incident where yep. uh, where, the, where the pitcher gets pulled because the analytics say that he can't face anybody else. And I'm like, I just couldn't... I was in disbelief. I thought it soured everything. And uh, I mean, to a point, too, that, I mean, you're probably now questioning the manager for quite some time. That where why didn't you just you know at some time where was the eye test where was the gut test and I and I used the analogy I said so does that like does it now come to a point that if your goalie's got a shutout like you think he's got a thirty save max that after he's made his thirty save you change and go to the backup because the analytics tell you that after thirty saves his play drops off like it's there's so many different things that you have to use it as a blend uh, and I think it's great I think you, you you're it's going to give you checks checks and balances to help you make a much better decision. I think it comes in handy when you're, you know, looking at what certain people are making uh, salary-wise as players. But I, I certainly hope you don't take the live viewing and the – you show me the math equation that defines character, and I'll come on board because without it, you got no chance. And you need to see these people across from one another and know the person to succeed. Yeah. All right. Uh, you, you were a coach in the OHL. And you're a longtime general manager with Owen Sound. The OHL, I would say, has been uh, the most progressive under David Branch in terms of limiting physicality in the game. Some of that, I'm, I'm trying to think of it, involved your team, but uh, the Kugel kid that ran around the ice, 
Um, <laughs> that would speak for me. I know. I know exactly. Chris, Chris Bernard, he chased Chris, Chris Bernard. Bernard. He played for you, didn't he? Didn't Chris Bernard play for you? Chris one Bernard time? played. He played my first year. Uh, my first year there, but he uh, he literally he's never lived that down. I think yeah, they well, become friends. It's like the old war story. But yeah, no, it was that suit. I never because Chris Bernard. They always said he couldn't play. Uh, couldn't play in the NHL because he wasn't fast enough. And I said, well, Chris, <laughs> if Kugel was chasing you for your old career, you would play. You look like uh, Calvin Burry when Kugel started chasing him. <laughs> Uh, that was a scary incident. We had uh, we had Menard on the team briefly during the 2009-2010 season, the second year I was doing color for the Oilers. He came up from Springfield. But, yeah, so for the listeners that are aware, uh, Jeff Kugel went nuts in a game. He was six foot eight enforcer. I think he was playing for – was he with Windsor? I'm trying Windsor, to think of – Windsor at the time and chased uh, Menard around the ice. David Branch is, you know, limited. Uh, we had a kid, Ty Bill Kid Camp, one year. The guy had like 35 fights in the OHL and was like average tough. He was not a not a hammer. Like we're not talking Kerry Toporowski here. And uh, but the OHL, the OHL has limited the amount of physicality taken fighting out of the league. Uh, now we have a. Uh, I don't. I forget what Lisa McLeod's exact title is. Is she the Minister of Sport in Ontario? Saying we're going to have no contact, they're going to come back and play without contact. Now the league's pushed back a bit. Give me your take on all the stuff that's going on with the OHL and the potential return to play. Because you were a manager in that league for a long time before you went to work for the Kings. Well, there's a couple things. I've one, I, and I have the utmost respect for for Dave Branch. Um, and I and I see where he, they've been kind of going with the fighting. I don't entirely agree with it, but you could see you could see the rationale behind behind it with regards to the ages, kids kids helmets popping off and trying to you know and fighting and, and the dangers. But to take hitting out of the game is the most asinine thing I've ever heard of. Like it's first of all, I think just from a standpoint of we're I was talking about this today. Like if you look at just contact itself. If you're, if you would think that the virus is going to spread, if you're, if you're if grappling or puck protection, or we say, you know, if you look at even the NFL stuff where these guys collide at the line and they're are in each other's face for a long period of time, battling for position, that's where you really think it's going to get exposed. Whereas the, the quote unquote Wendell Clark bomb tic-tac-toe how's your mama hit and Sherry Bad would say, <laughs> like the, the explosive hit that we don't see much of anymore, you would think that's probably going to cause less of a contagious spread of a, of a thing. But I, I think someone just got in over their head. They probably had the right thing in mind uh, when she when she made this comment. But I cannot see a game being played under that, like, under that auspices. And I don't think Dave Branch would ever want that either. Uh, I don't even think it's hockey. I would want the list of kids sent to me ahead of time that are really looking forward to it so I could cross them off the list right away. <laughs> And go from there. Uh, <laughs> I think there's your character. There's my analytical equation. If somebody says, I want to play under these rules and guidelines because it's going to be much more fun. When I was the SID at the University of Alberta, uh, we actually won a women's field hockey team. Ah. A women's field hockey championship, despite the fact that all the best uh, kids played at UBC and UVic. So great coaching job, but I got to tell you, in, f- in field hockey, you can only shoot one way and you can only turn one way, and there's not supposed to be any contact. And uh, it wasn't the most exciting stuff. That's that's all I'm going to say. For me personally, watching it, I was like, you know, there's like there's some like. 
you know, women's hockey has improved tremendously, but I could see where women's field hockey was going to end. And eventually the U of A had to discontinue the program because it just, it's, it's sort of a sport that hasn't grown. I, when I, when I saw that comment coming from Lisa McLeod and say, this is what we're going to have to do is we're going to take contact out of the OHL. They can return to play, but no body check. And I'm like, Oh, oh, crazy stuff. So what you're saying here is teams are going to spend less. There's going to be less travel. Uh, and if you had kids that wanted to play in a non-contact league in junior, you would probably have enough information on that you may not want to uh, engage them long-term as prospects in your organization. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to gain employment. If I start promoting kids that are terrified of being hit or don't want to be hit or don't want contact, then I'm probably going to be having to rely on a sports net gig for a little longer than I'd like. <laughs> there we go. Well, you know what? Uh, we'd love to have you on again. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us, and I still haven't gotten over that loss that the Golden Bears suffered back in uh, 1989 to Mark Applewade in your, 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 your York Yeoman. So your field hockey championship did not... <laughs> Your field hockey championship did not take you gonna, over the emotional distress from the loss, Brock? No, uh, Carlos Somerville is going to be upset with me right now. It was a great accomplishment for the Pandas, but no, I, I'm, I, you know, the gold. I did, I did Golden Bears hockey for 13 years. They won six national titles, and their three best teams didn't win. And that team that year was not one of their best teams. But six out of 13 isn't bad. You know what I'm saying? I'll take that. I'll take I that. Love it. All right, hey, let's do this again, okay, Mike? Absolutely. Thanks, Bob. Yvette, that is Mike Fuda, longtime L.A. Kings executive. Obviously, he's got a real good sense of humor. He's general manager for Owen Sound in the OHL. He coached the Toronto St. Mike's as well. Do want to mention to you, as uh, we wrap her up here, it's 153 in Edmonton. Uh, Uncle Milt down at Brent Ridge Ford of Metaskin was saying the other day that sales are strong. Their used vehicle inventory low at this time. They need more units. They need some trades. And the Ford Motor Company will give you a trade-in bonus of up to $2,500 for a 2016 model or older. Uh, the team at Brentwich Ford is keeping your safety their top priority. And they will comply with all AHS safety protocols. So go down and see Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at your Ford Truck Authority on the Auto Mile in Wetaskiwin. Just want to circle back to our top story brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling Homely. No payments and no interest for one year. A uh, little bit of a development. Uh, there's uh, been some reports late this afternoon. Uh, Bruce Garriock reporting Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly sent a memo to 31 NHL teams saying negotiations have been continuing with the NHLPA. The league is hoping to be able to make a recommendation to the governors Thursday. Daly wrote, the objective remains to start as early as January 1st. To this day in Oilers history, back of the 630 Chad Studios, the one and only Brendan Scott. And on this day in 1995, the Oilers opened the scoring with a shorthanded goal from Captain Kelly Buckberger and battled to a 4-4 tie after regulation against the Lightning at the Thunderdome in Tampa Bay. Now 2.34 into overtime, Jason Arnott beat Derek Wilkinson in the Bolts net for a 5-4 win. Uh, Todd Marchant ejected with 4.26 left in the first. He picked up an instigator for dropping the gloves with Alex Selivanov. All right. Uh, here's how we're going to wrap things up today. Reed Wilkins has Inside Sports Night from 6 to 8. Tomorrow is Remembrance Day, and uh, it is a best of Oilers now for you. 45 years ago today, this legend from Gordon Lightfoot dropped the legend 
of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Up next, uh, global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 630 Chat Afternoons of Jalen Nye. Have a terrific Tuesday. I'll rejoin you Thursday and uh, make the most of Remembrance Day, lest we forget. Six thousand tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.